Hello and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I am Jessie. I am Rachel. I'm Alicia. And today we are very lucky to have a special guest join us. It's Go. me. It's me. I'm Dylan. Hello. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm from the Eastern Lariat, a podcast about Japanese wrestling. And now I'm joining one of my favorite new shows and projects to come in with Talking Triple Crown, Kickout 299. I'm a huge supporter of all three of you wonderful people that will put up with me for some crazy reason. You, <laughs> you've actually invited me on the show, and I'm so honored to do it. And I think, um, you know, not to go too long. As, if you listen to any of my shows, you know I'm prone to do this. But I've always said that I'm not really like, uh, unlike all, all three of you in different ways, I'm not really someone who is super passionate about any one promotion. I'm more like I look at all promotions equally in the grand puzzle of wrestling. So it's such a different thing to be on a solely one promotion focused show here. And I'm really excited to do that. And it's one that I'm really excited about in general. So thank you all for having me on. I mean it from the bottom of my heart and especially you, Jesse, uh, since it is your show, you are the, you know, the grand poobah of TTC. <laughs> And I'm just following in your footsteps right now. So thank you very much. No, we are very lucky to have you today. And today we have a very big episode planned for all you. So grab a drink, sit back and relax as we take you everything that went down in March. Day one kicks off on the 7th of March, and it starts off with Next Dream Juniors, Aski Oyagi and Rising Hayato taking on Ryo Inoue and Takao Omore. It was a good match to open the Dream Power Series Tour, but in this match, I think we're seeing the future of the junior division. Aski and Hayato are definitely being built as big players of the division, while Inoue is improving nicely and definitely will fit in the division like a glove when he steps up. The Next Dream Juniors won after nine minutes. I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about Atsuki in particular this this month, this whole episode, because he's really stepped it up, like you said. And I definitely think we're looking at the future of the junior division. And there's there's a lot to look at here and a lot to watch. But uh, Atsuki, for me, really, really shown through. Anyway, and Hayato also had um, a slap exchange in this match, which looked great. It was nice to see them fired up. I think like we're going to talk about anyway, just as much as everybody else, as we continue throughout this tour, he is just improving rapidly. Um, and you can really start to see him like come into his own on this tour. And I think we're going to say that repeatedly. Like he's just, I can't believe how much he's improved even from last month to the month before rather to last month. I completely agree with uh, both of those statements. And in a way is somebody I've really been focused on. And like I said, at the start, I usually, I'm a little bit lax on these build-up shows, but obviously since I was coming on here, I made sure to watch uh, everything. And when I watched this match, exactly what you said, Alicia, Inoue and Hayato's slap exchange was so great to me. Um, Atsuki did a great job as well. Omori, uh, he didn't really stand on this match, but I am a huge fan of his historically, so I can't just let this segment shine without mentioning him at least. But uh, in general, I, I have to say, 
I always enjoy these kind of undercard matches in all Japan, or especially recently. I think they've really stepped their game up when it came to the full card aspect, although in the next match I might not agree with. But in this one, <laughs> I definitely agree with. In the main event between the next stream heavyweights, Yuman Kento taking on the Twin Towers, Suji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato. Kento pinned Suji in their tag team preview match after 22 minutes. This was a bit of a surprise, but does lead to some stuff later on in the month. Did you have something to say about this match, Dylan? Oh, well, I liked it a lot, actually. I thought that, okay. that Kento especially, he really stands out. And this is something I've really gained in general an appreciation of even more. You know, over the past few, um, you know, maybe a couple of years or so, I haven't always been his biggest fan. But recently, in the last year or so, I really think that he's shown a tremendous ability in the tag team with Yuma. But also, now as the champion of the company again, I love how he's handled pretty much all of his matches that he's had in this past month. I think I think he added something to all of them, and he had such a great charisma, such a, a great wild way about him. Uh, I thought he really stood out to me, uh, even in a kind of a smaller show match, a build-up show, as I call them, a build-up show main event like this. And I thought uh, Yuma always is somebody that he's like one of my favorite guys in all Japan. If you Again, if to all the listeners out there, if you don't know me that well, Somebody like a Yuma really appeals to me. Someone like, we'll talk about him later, Hikaru Sato. Those guys are like my favorites. And I thought here, he really looked good. And they were there are great opponents for the Twin Towers specifically. And it was nice to see Sato back uh, again, uh, Kohei this time, uh, really getting in there. I thought that was nice to see too. So I thought it was a really strong main event. Again, it's something I probably would have, it would have swept under my radar. But being on the show this month, uh, I'm definitely going to take more note of these main events, especially on these smaller shows. I definitely agree with Dylan. And I think that like Shuji in general lately has been so good. And I've actually like for the first time in a while, I've been really looking forward to Shuji matches, which for, you know, quite a, quite a while, I wasn't really looking forward to his matches at all. And especially with like the end of Violent Giants, like I just wasn't looking forward to him, which is sad. I like Shuji generally, but like his matches were not lighting me on fire for a while, but he's worked really hard to look as good as he does right now. And it's really showing through the wrestling. And I think that he did a great job carrying this program with Kento all the way through Champion Night 3. Not to interrupt anybody who is about to jump in, but I have to ask you this question because I, I totally agree with your point. I've said this actually many times on my own show about Shuji, but I need to ask, and it's something really important. I think we need to get this out of the way right now. <laughs> Do you prefer the like black tights Shuji or the long pants Shuji? Is that where it changed? Because I think that's where it changed for me personally. I miss the pants. Interesting. That's just a theory I have. It's clear nobody agrees with this. I, but still. I, prefer the, I prefer the shorts. I prefer the trunks. Yeah, I do I'm prefer sorry. the trunks, I just Dylan. Do. I'm sorry, yeah. He, it, it gives him more of a, a big guy aura, and he's already huge, so it just makes him so imposing and cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to bring it up. I thought it was something worth talking about. That's all. No, it is. No, it totally very, is. I think very it's... valid, but I think no. I do prefer him um, in trunks. I, I don't know. He doesn't scream like tights guy to me. They were long. They were not tights that you are incorrect. <laughs> that, that was, they were long pants and they were excuse me wrong, wrong terminology yes they were extremely pantsy pants you could not get more pantsy than those those are not tights they were flowing there was you know size to them i guess i'm i'm on alone i'm on i'm on this island all alone 
and I will stay on there. Me and B, well, I guess he even he disagrees since he made the change, but still. <laughs> I mean, he could go back. You just never know. Wrestling, time is a flat circle when it comes to wrestling. It's our uh, motto, basically. Oh, okay. That I lifted yeah. off True Detective, mind you, but it is still applicable to it's wrestling. It's true. It could come right back around, but I prefer the trunks. So Poetic. <laughs> he did wear the pants again when he had that death match in all japan last year okay so i oh think it's just death match pants now i think you've convinced me that i was wrong in my original <laughs> statement <No>. <laughs> <laughs> live your truth dylan <laughs> are you saying you don't want more death matches in all japan that is an opinion that you said i did not say that i want that put <laughs> on the record right now <laughs> so we have live recording on it. Oh boy! Backstage, Shlomo exiled Dan Tamora from Evolution due to his friendship and partnership with Abdullah Kobayashi. Evolution is now down to two members, Suama and Hikaru Sato. Suama's been a bit of a hypocrite here. He was tagging with Ashino while Sato couldn't stand him, and he does make Dan um, work in the rice fields while Abi takes him to maid cafes in karaoke. So I know who I'd rather partner with. Oh, man, this whole situation has been um, incredible to watch play out. We're going to keep talking about it um, as we go through the month. But what a what a Suama situation to to find ourselves in. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, after learning a little more of Suama's sort of character and history, this whole storyline became significantly less of a uh, shock. And we're going to talk about that as well a little bit as we move down the uh, month. But so I'm going to keep my opinions on the story tight for just a second. But it was not as surprising as I uh, originally thought. (laughs) I I have a lot to say about this, but I will follow your lead, Rachel. And I will hold my tongue for that. <laughs> so a lot to be said about the uh, March 12th show. So we're, we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Day two kicks off on the 12th of March. We have Yoshitatsu versus Kazma. They finish off their feud. Kazma was knocked out and couldn't get back up for the 10 count. And Tatsu won in nine minutes and 22 seconds. After the match, Tachibana, Takuyuki and Aki are now friends again with Tatsu after he said sorry. Kazma joins, but says he will stab Tatsu in the back. This was stupid. It's like everything that happened in the last year with these five men didn't matter. It was just back to normal again. I often feel like I'm being held hostage to Yoshitatsu segments. And this was um, absolutely one of them. I think the subtitle of this episode is going to be the, the the burial of Yoshitatsu because there's a couple opportunities for me to do that this month. And this was one of them. I just like could not stand the segment. The storyline doesn't make any sense to me. And it's just all such a distraction that, that we can be using to do other things, to put focus on other people. So yeah, not, not a fan of this. I think it's ridiculous. Well, I, I have to make an apology right now because I, I think the one responsible is the good doctor. Jonathan Foy is he convinced me that this Yoshitatsu stuff was good and I agreed with him okay. at one point when we the, when they had Balianaki run in as the referee I actually liked that segment I listened to last month's episode I know you guys didn't like it but I did and I've <laughs> come to announce that I was stupid 
for liking it because <laughs> why did I defend this Yoshitatsu stuff? I don't know if I was under some kind of trance or something that like that. Dr. Foy. It's that Dr. Jonathan Foy. He, he, he had a, he's, good with words. He, he's also a Jedi as well. He had a Jedi mind trick that he used on me, I think, for this Yoshitatsu stuff. But yes, I actually enjoyed what they were doing with this Yoshitatsu goofy storyline just because it was like a random part of the show that was in its own world. You know, it wasn't like it was in the main event, but thank God for that. That it was not in the main event. But now, you, like you, you, like you were saying, Jesse, why did this happen this way? <laughs> At the end of the day, what was the point of all of this? What was again uh, based off of the one we love the most, Yuma? What was the end game to all of this? Just to waste everyone's time. So why did it happen? Why did we deserve that? Why did we deserve to have our time wasted? Yoshitatsu needs to be more cognizant of his viewers and the viewers of All Japan because it's just sad to me because he had something good going and now he's ruined it and made it all worthless. I feel like, you know, it, it was just a waste of time. And I apologize for ever defending it. I apologize to all of you. I disappointed you and I will not let that happen again, or I give you all permission to just slap me upside the head if you ever see me defending Yoshitatsu <laughs> at any point. Do not allow it, please. Unfortunately, I have liked my fair share of garbage storylines too, so I will not uh, slap you in any way, shape, or form, but this... I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I, I really is... need to stop encouraging violence so much on these shows. I apologize. <laughs> Wrestling. No, uh, I, I agree that there was at least something to enjoy about it, and then they came in with this just pure retcon. And just erased it all. Like Jesse said it best, like the last year just didn't matter. And Jesse has always stated that it felt like, and you said it as well, that the Yoshitatsu Kingdom stuff sort of existed in its own world. And now they've sort of just taken that and made it like that world doesn't matter either. So there's really just nothing to enjoy. And yeah. I, I watched it live and I couldn't believe what was happening, but not in a good way. And even now after I've processed it, I'm just sort of, I guess, in awe that they went this direction. Yeah, it's just stupid. Like, uh, I don't, Kazuma could have been like a real leader. I really like his stuff in Dragon Gate. Then he comes over to all Japan, has a pretty good uh, tag league tournament. And here he is. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is starting something. Yoshitatsu Kingdom is over. Yoshitatsu has to like, go back into the all Japan bubble, not his own bubble. But then it's just like, nah, his friends forgive him for, you know, him beating them up and yelling at them. They're all friends again. It's just like, there's no point. They shouldn't have done this story at all if it's just going to come right back to where it started. I totally agree with that. But also I think we need to recognize that this is something I was thinking about whenever Cosmo showed up. Because I like Cosmo too, actually. I thought I totally agree with you. His work at Dragon Gate was really good. And he's not a, you know, he's somebody that can be somebody, but where's Kengo at? Uh, Mashimo, his partner from December. I love that guy, man. I, I, I wish he would come back soon. And unfortunately, Cosmo's stuck doing the Yoshitatsu stuff and <laughs> uh, as kind of an unofficial second in command, although he did promise he would betray him in the future. So this storyline will pop up again in the future. And I know that we're all looking forward to more of this. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I will say, and I'm not actually very familiar with Cosmo's work, but he 
is very popular uh, among Japanese fans that I have seen. Uh, so there is some benefit there to him hanging around. So that's kind of cool. So that's about uh, all that I can really lend there. And like you said, maybe he will eventually betray and take over again. And we'll just have to wait it out and and see. <laughs> Next up, we have Next Stream taking on Twin Cows and Ren Ayabe. It's good to see Ayabe is sticking around Old Japan. I hope to see him on more shows in the future. Um, he did tap out to Yuma's Endgame after 14 minutes. Suji was actually choked out by Kento even before the match finished. And after the match, he snapped, attacking Kento and the rest of Next Stream all the way to the backstage area. Champion Carnival participants were announced and Jake Lee made his first appearance in Old Japan since the 26th of December. We will have more information about the Champion Carnival a bit later in the episode. We have Total Eclipse versus Evolution. Dan was left without a partner after Kobayashi was confirmed to be a close contact with a positive COVID case. He did ask Swama on Twitter to tag with him, but Swama said no and to just give up on the title match. To everyone's surprise, Swama did actually join Dan. It was an okay match with Omori pinning Dan at 14 minutes to retain the All-Asia Tag Team belt. After the match, Suwama did apologize to Dan and asked him to rejoin Evolution. Dan accepted the apology and is now back in Evolution. So I actually saw this decision getting a lot of flack on the internet for being another sort of plot retcon. However, I feel really differently. I feel like this actually works. It works really well to Suwama and his general tomfoolery is probably the best word I can have for it. Um, Suama being a little bit hypocritical and that he's teaming with somebody outside the faction that Hikaru Sato doesn't really like and Shotaro Ashino. And he still sort of comes at Dan almost in a mean way that's a little playful, but mostly kind of mean. And then he sort of comes back together and it just, it works. It works for the history of evolution. We've talked about that in the episode of Kickout. We've talked about the history of all Japan factions and Alicia goes really in depth into evolution there. And you'll be able to see sort of how this really works for evolution and it works for Suwama. So I really actually ended up enjoying that a lot. I didn't think it was very similar to the Yoshikatsu Kingdom stuff at all. I am very happy that Dan is not getting kicked out of evolution. That, that would have made me very sad. But at the same time, I also have to point out, this is one of my biggest, absolute biggest pet peeves in All Japan Pro Wrestling is this stable of evolution in that I love the group. I love everybody in it. As I said, Sato is like one of my favorites in the whole world. I, I love Hikaru Sato. I would probably marry him if he asked me to. But this stable is so goofy in that why is... Uh, why is it always someone teaming with Suwama who is not ever in this group, even though all they do is team with them? Ishikawa was the same way when they had the Violent Giants. All he did was team at Evolution, but they won't call him a member. Ashino, the same way. He is not a member, but always teams with Suwama and is often in multi-mans with the others. So if Dan left, all he would do is continue to team with Suwama and Sato and Ashino. So what, what is the point of teasing the storyline? That's, That's a really good point. <laughs> but I will say, I will say, Dylan, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that like Dan leaving would have been just a total mistake. Otherwise, like what would Dan even do? But I think that where I've started to understand how Ashino makes sense is that 
Suwama did call like their union, their runaway suplex union, a union between evolution and enfants. So like Ashino has not given up enfants. He tags every social post he makes um, enfants to read, like he's not given that up. It's very much like his identity. And we talk about that a little bit on episode nine of Kickout as well. But so that's where that makes sense. Like, um, like enfants isn't dead for Shotaro. That's like a major part of his identity. So that's where that makes sense, but the rest of it doesn't make sense. Like Ishikawa never should have just not been a member <laughs> of, of like evolution. Like like evolution is a really, really weird stable when you like track the history of it. But I guess that's why like I've now found them like utterly charming at the same time. Like the whole stuff with like Joe Doring getting pissed and leaving and Sato leaving because he lost that grappling match to Suwama and all that drama and then like like Sato gets asked back so that they can like defend themselves from the Fujita army for like two weeks and then like (laughs) nothing comes of that and then it's just kind of like all right well he's back and he's back in evolution now and like that stuff is so weird but like it's so Suwama as like a character and as like a person that it's just really charming I don't know I just evolution is just fun I don't know I like I, I like evolution I do but at least the the Shotaro piece makes sense when you look at Shotaro's like philosophy on wrestling and who he is as a character. That is like brilliant all Japan lore and an explanation for a storyline all in one go. I have to give you a round of applause for that uh, because I, I can't even argue. What you said is totally factual. All of it. It's actual factual. Thank you. Don't be too impressed with me. We just we just finished recording that episode, but still, <laughs> it's all fresh in our hearts. Yeah, We're, we are big evolution <laughs> fans right now. <laughs> but okay. uh, but no, I think uh, Alicia's spot on. This is just such a Suwama thing, and I think the match itself was really meant to sort of uh, get Dan that spotlight and get him up there and sort of earn that spot in Evolution back, even though he never really would have lost. I do think that even if um, even if Kobayashi could have made the show, which he sadly could not have, I think the storyline was going to end up with Dan back in Evolution anyway. And I think Jesse, you probably agree with that as well. Yeah, there's really no other spot for Dan to go. Like extreme lockdown is full. They have so many people in total clips. We don't need any more. There was really nowhere else for Dan. And I do worry about Dan. I love Dan and I want Dan to be successful, but I do worry that Dan is going to be overtaken very quickly by Inoue and how things are working out for him because he's so promising and he's so talented. And I think that Dan really needs to um, start to start to shine. And I think that this storyline was a way to give him some focus, like Rachel was saying. So that's great. He's sort of like in the the Junta Miyawaki position in in Noah for me. That's like the most direct comparison I can make is like he's got all of these people around him that he's like the senior of, but he's not the one who's shining in that regard. Oh, I totally agree with that. Same even with, you know, the Saito brothers and Sukamoto. I already felt like they were kind of passing him by as well. He reminds me of another Noah guy. I made the comparison to uh, when Kumano was still in Noah and he was kind of in that same level. And he was a good guy, good worker, good wrestler. And I think Dan has a lot to offer himself, but he I feel the exact same way that you said that he's getting passed by by these other people. Now you have a new guy coming in who I, I just think the sky's the limit for it. I'll, I'll talk about more about that later, but I really agree with your point. I think that's something uh, Tamara needs to really think about, or they need to think about with him 
is that hopefully he can get his own spot. And I think he's in a decent spot now with evolution, even just being in the second and third match. Uh, if he could get something to really pop off or really get a chance, I think he could do something with it, but it just hasn't formulated yet. Although that may not be a real word that I just said, but that's okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Could not agree more. Day three, it was on the 13th and it was a video on demand show. This was very much a filler show before champions night three. And it was a pretty quick show, but I do want to talk about one match. The main event was Sushi Ishikawa, Ryoji Sai, and Yusuka Yoshi taking on next stream team of Kento Mihara, Yuma, and Aski. It was a nice preview for the Triple Crown Clash at Champions Night 3. Poor Aski got beaten up a lot by his heavyweight opponents and couldn't even use the top rope as the roof was way too low. An unexpected finish with Suji busting out the Mihara Killer 2022 on Kento and getting the win after 22 minutes. I actually thought this match was even better than the main event on the first night, even in the smaller venue. I loved seeing uh, Yoshi. First of all, I I thought he was so fun uh, in this match, Uh, even as a veteran. I think this is kind of like the perfect spot for these guys in big matches on smaller shows. And even that uh, scam artist, Ryoji Sai, uh, he he has done nothing with that huge loan for Land's End, except go to England once. Why would you do that, Ryoji? You use the money. You haven't given us Land's End. Where is Land's End? But I don't know where Land's End is, but I actually thought he was pretty good in this match as well. Uh, so the spirit of Zero One continues to shine in All Japan with Ryoji Sai. But I really appreciated Ishikawa, his work there. And Atsuki, again, I thought delivered a fantastic performance selling and bumping for these bigger guys and all of the Shuji team. I thought it was such a well-put-together team just stylistically and aesthetically. Like three big guys. And I, I thought that they were worked really well together. I really liked this match. I, I wasn't expecting to, but it really jumped out at me. So I'm glad that you highlighted it. And I thought on this show in general, like every preview match to set up Champions Night 3 was really good. There was like some good heat in the match with Shotaro and Honda to set that up. I thought that match was actually very entertaining. Tajiri like being afraid to engage with Shotaro and Dan, which is very entertaining to me. So I did like that. And then I thought that um, Sato and Suwama versus Amori and Kuma Arashi was also a really good preview. I didn't, I think I might've missed exactly when they did this, but something happened with the junior belt and then Suwama became obsessed with getting the broken part of the belt back. And they took this all the way back to the, um, the like the, the backstage area where they were doing the, yeah, the backstage promos. That was just like really funny to me. And I, and I liked that match a lot. I was like probably besides the the last man standing match, I was most excited about Sato and Amori going into the big show. So I liked that preview match a lot. Also, another thing I have to say, too, that I like about these shows is like uh, Fuma teaming with Omori versus Inoue and Yoshitatsu. Inoue is already better than Yoshitatsu. I don't care that he's been <laughs> around for like two, <laughs> two months. He's he's already better. Uh, and I I, wanted, I didn't even think of saying that at first, but I, it just came to my mind. I don't know. It just a blink of inspiration st- struck me. But Fuma and seeing these guys, one thing I love about All Japan is that they're always really willing to use local talents on these shows and let you get a peek at new guys. And they've been doing this for years and years, but I think it's such a great thing that you won't necessarily see it. Definitely not in new Japan, but even in Noah, they don't really do this uh, nearly like nearly as much as all Japan should or does. So I really appreciate that fact of getting to see like these lo- local guys that you might not get to see a lot. Uh, you know, even in a, a small place like, uh, you know, my uh, I really appreciated it. Uh, seeing him on there and, and all of the talents that all Japan gets in these undercards. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. I hope that, you know, the 
the, the hope is that all Japan will continue to grow and be on par with some of the other major companies. But I, I really don't want them to lose that part of how they book shows. I think that makes them unique and kind of special in that regard. So yeah, great point. On the 21st of March, we had day four and also Champions Night 3. It kicked off with Sugi, Ryu Inoue, and Takato Nakano versus Hiroshi Yamato, Sega Tachibana, and Andy Wu. This was a fun and basic opening match. Everyone got their stuff in. Inoue got a lot of time in the ring, and just like every time he steps in, he impresses. Yamato pins Inoue at 9.39. I was thinking this was a bit of a weird choice, but it won't be the last we see of Yamato tonight. Good opener. I, I liked everybody in it, honestly, and I agree with you, but obviously it was leading to something we would see, but uh, I, I, I really liked this match. Next up, we have Yoshitatsu, Kabao Ito, and Remu Imami versus Sushi, Shigehiro Iri, and Izanagi. A standard six-man tag team, nothing super special. Ito made his All Japan return since last appearing in September 2021. Imami looked good for a teenager on a big stage. Fun fact, his All Japan match was Champions Night 2 opposite Tatsu. It was good to see Iri back after testing positive for COVID, and in just under 10 minutes, Tatsu got the win for his team after pinning Sushi. I feel like we just haven't talked about Yoshitatsu enough on this show, and we needed more of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Let it rip. He, he still is not any better than, we, than he was the last time we talked about <laughs> Has him. Has not improved. <laughs> just doesn't improve. And, you know, it's kind of like a standard for him, I think, actually, throughout most of his career. No. <laughs> That's very mean. You're a mean-spirited person. Oh, I'm not mean-spirited. I think just Yoshitatsu just, you know, I... He brings out the time, worst in you. He does. The first time I met Yoshitatsu, he was doing the the Bullet Club Hunter gimmick in Fantastic. New Japan, and it just it never got any better for me. Yeah, I thought that Mi, for example, looked like a lot better than Yoshitatsu oh, in this match. Yeah, Mi actually did do a great job. Uh, he's a guy from Heat Up, like a very mm-hmm. small indie company. Uh, he's only like 17 years old or something. Uh, so I, I know he's really starting young, yeah. but he 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 has a lot of. Uh, a lot of growth to do on his path if he continues on, but I like what he, he showed in this match too. I Yoshitatsu, I have to say, uh, I actually was a fan of his like way back when I first started watching, like 10, 12, whatever years ago, uh, because he was like, I, you might not believe this. Your listeners might be thinking I'm nuts right now when I'm about to say this. He was like one of the best young lions, like for real, that New Japan ever had. Like he was in the same class as Goto and mm-hmm. they had a wonderful rivalry. And then he had that ECW run, which I'm sure everyone loved and knew, knew very well uh, on there. But, uh, you know, he was <laughs> and I actually didn't mind him at ECW either. I think he's gone through some injuries over the years. And, you know, when it comes to these goofy undercard matches, he doesn't shine there. But he, uh, you know, he's Yoshitatsu. So how, how can you argue with him? But, you know, never mind Imai. I was so happy to see Carbell Ito back as well. What a welcome return to the businessman and also the center of all evil. Uh, if nobody's listened to my show, uh, my conspiracy theory on Devil Murasaki and his true identity is that he is a Carbel Ito business rival that has somehow taken over the mask of Devil Murasaki. And he is here to ruin all Japan to tank Carbel Ito's business. And I think that that's get, continued to gain more factual evidence and street and steam as time has gone along. And so Carbel Ito, watch your back. You don't know where these rivals are going to come from. You don't know what's going to happen. But I was very happy to see him back. And he even did a dive. What, 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 a, what a guy, Carmelito. 
no, it was good to have him back. Like he appears maybe once every three or four months. It's so, and he, yeah, like you said, he always does a dive. He always heads to the top rope. He jumps off and then he, you don't see him for the rest of the match. He's done. He did his two minutes in the ring. He's good. Next up, we have Dan Tamura and Abdullah Kobayashi versus Takao Omori and Black Man Suri. Dan and Kobayashi came down to the ring holding hands and I lost it. It was adorable. They were back together again. A very different match for Omori than the one he had the day before, team with Jun Akiyama in DDT. Omori and Dan had a good showing. Cute moment when Dan sacrificed himself and ate a kick that was meant for Kobayashi. The best friends won after Kobayashi elbow drop at 11.31. I liked this match so much. Like Dylan, I'm also a massive fan of Takao Mori, so I just get excited when I know I'm about to watch a Takao Mori match. And we were just coming <laughs> off of the match from the from that weekend as well of um, at DD, DDP Judgment with him and um, yeah, yeah. Akiyama. So it was just a very good weekend if you're a Takao Mori fan. But um, I liked this so much. I liked Takao's interactions with Kobayashi. I thought that they were like very interesting and very entertaining. I found myself much more engrossed in this match than I thought I was going to be. I knew I'd be entertained by it. I did not think that I was like actively interested in what was going to happen between Takao and Kobayashi. So I really liked this. I thought it was super effective. Everything with with Dan and Kobayashi is just is just great. And actually, I think Jonathan and Dylan made a a great point that they kind of echo like best friends like Chuck and Trent. And like I hadn't thought of that before really, but then like I when I was listening, I was like, oh my god, yeah, like that's totally the reference. But yeah, I really liked that. This was just a good fun match. I just enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I love this match. I absolutely was just drawn in, didn't really look away from the screen. Like you said, I didn't really expect to be as invested as I was. And uh, I think this sort of goes back to what we were saying, because I thought Dan looked great here. I really thought that this was a moment, actually, you said it, Alicia, that he's uh, looking a little older and a little you know, more mature, a little bit more like a fully formed wrestler, just little by little. And I thought this match sort of showed it off. And I really love his uh, partnership right now with Kobayashi. I think it does wonders for him and for him as a character as well. I just want to say that I immediately, and this is a legit thing, I thought of this show when they came out holding hands. I knew you would all love it. And they delivered for us. Um, you know, that, that's one of the things so I- good. <laughs> <This is> so good. <laughs> so good. To quote Jesse, I lost it. <laughs> it, it was a, a, a truly the definition of a beautiful friendship is Kobayashi and Tamara, in my opinion. But yes, this was a fun uh, mid-card match at the end of the day. And I think it added a little bit more because uh, they ended up missing it because of Kobayashi getting COVID uh, or getting into protocols or whatever. For them to finally come back and have this match, I thought it made it mean that much more. And yes, Takao Mori is awesome, and I love him forever. And I actually like Black Mensa right too. So I, I enjoyed this match for what it was, too. I'm not I wasn't exactly, you know, doing cartwheels over Kobayashi coming to all Japan, to be honest with you, and getting the triple crown title shot and, and all of that stuff. But for this particular segment and storyline, I could get behind. It. So I, I appreciate what they what they're doing. We had Shoto Ishino versus Ricky Honda in a last man standing match. Honda attempts murder trying to stab Ishino while Ishino slaps the ring out through the arena. A very good last man standing match that was surprisingly short, only going for 12 and a half minutes. I absolutely love the ending with Ishino kicking out the weapons and destroying Honda with German suplexes till he couldn't stand no more. 
This oh, this is... this was my match. This was my match. I'm sorry, Alicia. I can't let you go. I have to interrupt you because I love it <laughs> no, so fine. much. You go. You go. <laughs> Thank you. Don't try and stop me right now. But no, um, I really love this match so much. I literally called it. Uh, I said it was the greatest last man standing match of all time because I hate last man standing matches. They're so boring and like by far one of the worst stipulations. I don't know who invented it. Uh, we, we need our history uh, people out there, researchers, who invented this stupid stipulation because I've always hated it. It's so boring. And they were able to flip it on its head so good that I ended up totally loving this match. This is my favorite match on the show, the whole tour. I thought it was one of the best matches in the company all year. I I, I loved the fire. I Honda, every time this guy gets in, again, 21 years old, I think, another young, super young talent. Every time this guy gets a spot, and we saw it against Kento in January, he delivers so good. I think the world of him as a, a talent and especially a guy that could really build up as a building block. You know, when he came in from Russell one and when he came in, I was like, oh, yeah, Honda, good talent. Let's see what he can be. But now that he's getting there, I think he shows so much. And Ashino, oh, I, I love this guy so much. Uh, just the suplexes, like you said, Jesse, that finish was so freaking awesome of him just getting like, screw these weapons. I don't need that crap. All I need is suplexes. And that's what he gave us over and over. We saw, like, I don't know if this was a directive, but we'll talk about it a bit more in the junior match, too. But it felt like there was a real effort from somebody. I don't know if it was advice or whatever, but a King's Road influence between multiple people on this show. And I thought Ashino definitely exemplified that here. And I, I just thought this match was so freaking good. If somebody is listening to this and hasn't watched it, please please go and watch this match. I just thought it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. So uh, I apologize, Alicia, for, st for stepping on your toes. There. No, not at all. And I'm going to echo some of your sentiments because I think I, like, I, I agree with you like almost all the way down. Like It was definitely my match of the night. And I agree. Like I was not really looking forward to this stip because this stip tends to remind me of like my childhood like ruthless aggression era type of WWE sort of stuff. So yeah. like that, <laughs> that stip doesn't make me Excited. Like every lame Triple H main event of that <laughs> yeah, era. Exactly. Like it just reminds me so much of that type of WWE stuff. And that doesn't like make me excited about wrestling. So I wasn't looking forward to that aspect of it necessarily, but like they made me like stoked about it towards the end because the finish was excellent. And what I loved so much about Honda is that he came out laughing and that put me on the edge of my seat, like right away. Cause what I love about Honda as a character, he is taken to being such an overt heel in a way that Jake actually didn't when Jake turned. Like Honda has really shown that this is a character that's going to work for him and that he's like sort of naturally taking to it. Whereas Jake in his champion carnival, like right after he turned, right after the whole Enfants, Total Eclipse stuff, Jake really took a while to find his, his footing in that character. And it was a little bit awkward in the beginning. And I remember telling Rachel, like, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about this. I don't know if I like this. Cause it was such a, he's not, ever really been like a white meat baby face. He's a little bit more aloof and um, just, he's not, he's kind of like Shiazaki from Noah in that way, but he's just not really like a, like a typical baby face. He never really has been, but Honda has taken this character and he's so good at it. And he's like really slipping into it, like slipping on a glove. It's just excellent to watch him do this. And it was so effective in this match. And I knew when he came out laughing that Shodoro would come out hot and he did. And this match was just, excellent from start to finish that unbelievable sick bump from Ashino through that table towards the end of the match like that was amazing like that that match was just unbelievable it, I really think that 
I'm pretty confident that the, I think, it, what was it? The runaway suplex next stream tag. Like that's still like, I'm pretty sure that'll end up making like, if I were to make a top 10 and I don't ever do things like that. But if I were, <laughs> I'm fairly certain that that match will, will probably make it on, but this match could make it on for me too. Like it's that good of a match. Like I just, I really was super excited about it. I'm just so excited about what's next for Honda because he's still like, he's definitely still finding his footing. And I think that like, he has like a lot, like a little ways to go to be like, you know, the, the total package, but to see him take to this character so quickly and really do good work with it is very exciting to me. Yeah. You guys took the words right out of my mouth. Unfortunately, Alicia, you did give me the idea to do a top five or a top 10 show for talking triple crown at the end of the year. So now we might have to do that, <laughs> but I wouldn't oh, be no. surprised. <laughs> I completely endorse this idea. Absolute brilliance. And I just want to say earlier, Rachel tried to accuse me of trying to not want any more death matches. But if they're like this, I will take any kind there of death go. matches and bring the knife, <laughs> bring the weapons, bring the table, bring everyone, whatever you want. As, as crazy as it is to talk about a guy pulling a knife out in an all Japan match. It worked. It just worked. Okay. That no explanation needed. I love that Alicia mentioned the entrances because I am totally the same boat. I was hooting and hollering right <laughs> from the moment that he walked out laughing because he's just representing every single thing that Ashino hates. Like he's just wearing it like a metal. Just every single thing he could do, he employed the absolute worst strategy that he possibly could. And that's to come out and poke the bear. And he did it anyway, because that's just Honda. That's his character. He's going to come out laughing. He's going to poke the bear and he's going to do everything he can. He's going to come at him with a knife. Anything that Ashino hates, he's going to do it in an attempt to win. And Ashino is just not going to take it. He's going to kick everything out and suplex you to death. And I thought that it was just the perfect match. It's just the perfect match. The last thing I will say, because I'm gushing now about this match, but the last thing I will say about this match, and I think I tweeted it, was that this match left me saying like, Ashino and Honda are fucking cool. And it's so like hard sometimes to like, to reach that point where like, yeah, like what you're watching is like super cool. But like this match and the way that they were, they were just super cool. And it was awesome to walk away with that sentiment. And, and just to continue on, because we have not gushed about this match nearly enough, <laughs> but- one thing, another thing I really loved about all of this, I think that All Japan, one of their things, I, I really feel like, you know, All Japan as a company has taken a big step up in the last few months. Uh, it, it, much like Ishikawa himself, we talked about earlier. Uh, it feels like he's really gotten into gear and it feels like the whole company is getting into gear. And one of the things I really think they've hit on great is Ashino. Because for a while, when he first came in, he came in like a house of fire. I loved what he was doing with the enfants. And they brought him up and they gave him that title match, but he lost it. And then ever since then, it felt like it was just like, oh, whenever we need a random triple crown challenger, here's Ashino. Like, let's throw him in there and have him lose. And it doesn't even matter. And it felt like they were really wasting him his talents a lot. Then once they started to do this tag team with Suwama and get in this mission with Honda and, and this feud, I think that his booking and how they've done things with him has been excellent. I'm super into his character heading into the carnival. And uh, all the things about Honda we've said is still true. So I, I really appreciate what they've done. I think they've handled this whole deal with Honda and Ashino excellently. And it's really made me hype for their next match. Yeah, I agree with all three of you. And like Dylan said, he hates last man standing matches. I absolutely hate them. 
they go on way too long. There's too many weapons. It's just like there's so many nine counts. It's just like, I don't want to watch this, but this one was so good. It was short. It got straight to the point. Honda tried to stab a Shino, which was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, cool. Um, but one thing I will disagree on, it might be just me because I've done so many reviews of Honda matches, like, written reviews, and I've watched these matches so many times. I still see that goofy little rookie in him. He, like, slips back every now and then, and he just, I don't know, it just reminds me, like, is he really the bad guy? Like, he just seems like a goofy rookie to me. Like, he's getting there in Total Eclipse. He really is. But it's just like, no, I still see him as, yeah. There's a level to him. As that goofy guy. Yeah, there's a level to him that's a little bit of a dork. A little bit of a a wannabe anime villain. He uh, has, like, (laughs) I've mentioned this a million times because I'm actually watching Kamen Rider Ryuki now. um, But his finisher is a reference to Kamen Rider Ryuki, which is a series that's almost as old as he is. So there's just that nerdy anime level to him. But I think personally i think he's taking to it like a glove like alicia said well first of all since you're watching common rider I, I feel like i'm a member of super sentai right now on this show this really is a super team um <laughs> my favorite series hurricane from like 20 years ago another old show much like common rider so i had to take it back to, to the hurricane era um but I, I think what i'm hearing from you jesse right now and i think there's a very simple way that we could solve this issue with honda and i think what you said is that he needs some long pants and that's going to change everything. <laughs> Deathmatch Honda. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe if he gets long pants, I'll be like, yeah, he's not a goofy rookie anymore. You don't know. It could be true until he actually he has long pants. Who knows? He might look really good in long pants. Maybe that is the thing. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm sold on it. Actually, <laughs> this is uh, going to have to start a hashtag for it. The redemption of the pants. <laughs> We have Ayagi Brothers and Haito versus Tatsumi Fujinami, Leona, and Matsuya Nagai. A match that was supposed to happen at Champions Night 2, but was pushed back due to an injury to Fujinami. A family affair here with father and son taking on brothers. Yuma and Nagai continue their feud over hair with Yuma flooding it in Nagai's face. A nice and quick match before the break. They used Fujinami as much as they could for his age, and he submitted Aski in just over 12 minutes. Here's something I want to know, because I don't think you've talked about him on this show. What is the uh, opinion of Leona? I don't think he's that bad. Like, he was pretty good in Tag League, but I know a lot of people said he's improved a lot. I haven't seen his earlier work, but, I mean, he's a good guy to just bring in for random shows every now and then. Yeah, like, when he started, he was, like, level of Chikara, like, you know, pretty much. A lot of people compared those two. And like two guys with amazing, you know, uh, f- a family of wrestling, uh, especially Leona Fujinami is like a legendary in-ring worker. Um, so to see them be so bad kind of disheartened everybody. But I will say Leona, who I think, by the way, in real life, he has like a very good like lawyer job <laughs> that he has too. He doesn't even need to wrestle, uh, but he uh, has improved. I totally agree with those people saying that. So I've very much enjoy seeing that. It feels like this whole month, I don't know what happened with uh, Atsuki, but it felt like he drew the short star- straw in every match. It was like, look, you are the one getting beaten up in this match because that <laughs> happened in like every match we saw of him. And he did a wonderful job. He's a great 
athlete and a great talent, but I did feel, I felt a little bad for him after all of this. And uh, also shout out to Fujinami legend. Uh, he's been doing stuff all over the place this past month and all kinds of companies, even, even in new Japan, he had that match at the, uh, at their 50th anniversary show. So he's all over the place. My man's getting uh, all kinds of run right now. It feels like this is the most active he's been in a long time. So I, I was very happy to see this match, just to see Fujinami and Leona in there. I did not catch the New Japan, I think it was the anniversary show, right? Where Fujinami yeah. was on. I didn't catch that yet, but I was excited to see Fujinami in this. And I think he's like, he, when he when he's used in this way, he's very effective still. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, I thought it was a good match. I liked how excited everyone seemed to be at the start of it, probably because, you know, it's Fujinami in the ring. So I thought that was really nice. But yeah, just a nice match before the break. Just cool. After the break, we had the junior heavyweight title match between Hikaru Sato and Hokuto Omori. This was great. It was 100% action-packed from the get-go. Omori did a great job and looked like a real contender, while Sato was a fighting champion. Omori will win the junior title one day, but just not today. Sato won with a backdrop at 16 minutes and 39 seconds. It was a bit of a surprise to see Sato getting a pinfall, as he usually wins by submission. Yamato, who won the first match, ran to the ring and challenged Sato for the title. I totally liked this match. And as I said, Hikaru Sato is like my favorite person in all Japan, probably. Uh, I love everything he does, like whether it's on the undercard, goofiness, uh, even when he's in other companies doing just really weird and bizarre things. Uh, I still love him anyway. And when you see him wrestling, he's such a great technician in the ring. I, he's somebody that like, he's a guy that even the way he moves around the ring, I really am just fascinated by his footwork in the ring. I think he has some of the best in any company, honestly. If, if you're like a really, you know, you have an eye for that kind of stuff or give a crap about that kind of stuff, you just watch Hikaru Sato wrestle, just how he moves around the ring is so fantastic. And Omori, the North Wolf, I have to give him props right now. I've always loved what he did. That all Asia t tag title match where his team won him and Kodama, that was like as good as, the, I think I'm like the only one who thought that match was as good as the heavyweight match that everyone loved that came after it. I, I just thought he was phenomenal in it. Uh, so this match was so cool. And this was where I was going to mention where it felt like there was some kind of edict where the King's Road style is now back in vogue because we saw Sato here, who, again, is much more normally a, a te technical style of wrestler, just came in with the suplexes at the end. And I was so for it, especially with how this match went. Uh, it was such a great high energy from Omori. I, I, list, I just loved everything about this. I thought it was really cool. And actually, the fun part is, is I really like this match, but I actually think in the future, they have it. They have another gear that they can get to, and just my, in my opinion, I think they can have an even better match in the future. So I hope that they rematch this at some point sooner rather than later. So I, I love this pairing. That's a great point, Dylan. Because I, I was actually very surprised. My initial reaction to it was like, "Wow, I love this match." If the Ashino and Honda match hadn't preceded it and wasn't on the card or something like that, might have been like my match of the night. Like I really loved this match. I was surprised by how many people just thought it was okay or maybe a more average match. I was really surprised by the amount of people that did not think that this match lived up to their expectations of what they thought that Sato and Amori were going to deliver. But I do agree with you that I think that if, when they eventually run this back, you know, at some other point in the future, that we will see an even more evolved Amori. Because I, I think that he is still, you know, growing into the wrestler that he's going to be. He's still really finding his form. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that down the road for him for sure. But I really did 
like this match. I loved Sato's entrance. This is what made me like him in this venue. I was like, he has to hold this through to the Budokan because how can we not see this man's entrance at something like the Budokan? Like that would be outstanding. So I I really did think this was great. They had some great spots. And again, like they they can run this back in a couple of months and you're going to have a much more evolved Amori and you're going to have something even better than what we just saw at this show. Oh, totally agree. I think a thing that might lead into that reaction from some people is that maybe they were expecting more of, of like a, because they did just see a junior heavyweight and they wanted it to be more like high speed style. And this was more like normal style of match or like, you know, a heavyweight style just with juniors. I feel like, so maybe they kind of judged it. Unfortunately, there's been matches like that. I went to a huge rant on one of my shows I did recently over the uh, Iwatani and Shuri match on, on stardom. Uh, Cause I felt, I saw these negative reviews for it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And this is what I feel like too. I think some people have their own expectations and it didn't necessarily go the same way, but it doesn't speak to the quality. Cause I agree with you. I thought this was a really good match ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but what did you guys think of Yamato uh, challenging for the title? So first off, I wanted to just say um, off of what you were saying is that um, I I did expect something way different than what we got. Um, so it's you're probably right that a lot of people uh, expected a certain kind of match and didn't get it and were disappointed. I was delighted. <laughs> I was very, very excited yes. and pleasantly surprised. Like it wasn't what I was expected, but it was, wow, wow, it was really good. Um, so as far as Yamato goes, I'm not really familiar with him outside of his DDT work. So I'm interested to see how this goes, but, uh, he came out with a lot of fire. So I will definitely say that. So it should be an interesting match. I'm going to reserve because I don't have a whole lot of experience with Yamato yet you know this was a really cool thing and I think this is another thing I really loved we'll, we'll talk about another thing they did honoring their history that okay. maybe I, I didn't love <laughs> that is later in the show perhaps yeah but <laughs> but, uh, but this is another thing that's really cool because it plays into all Japan's history okay. um y- Yamato he started off in all Japan as a trainee he was in the same class as Kai Sonata and Manabu Soya and they were kind of like built up at the time as kind of like they could be the new four pillars, you know, so to speak, like the four guys. He was like the junior version of it, um, you know, and I actually I remember seeing those shows back in that era. He was the guy I thought could be the best total package. I thought Kai was like the best wrestler wrestler, but I thought he had charisma and wrestling. So I really loved what he brought to the table. He had a very uh, serious injury at some point a few years ago, uh, and that really kind of derailed his career. And he's been in these lower indies. So I'm very excited to see him in a big singles match. But it's important that these two were former tag team partners, too, back in All Japan, Sato and Yamato, in the, <laughs> in the Jonetsu Hentai Baka team. That's right. That's that they right. Have. Uh, but Alicia that- was telling me about that. <laughs> Yes, but they're former tag partners and all of that. They're former All Asia champions too. I think they actually won the titles. I have to look that up. I think that I think they did. Uh, this was around the time the junior stars were there. Uh, yes, they, they had, there's a lot of history to this match. It's playing off of that, and I really love what they're doing. All Japan, even if not everything hits perfectly for me, I think that it's great in this particular year to reference stuff from the past. That's and it's something like this is kind of like stuff that nobody probably would even remember or think about that much until it happens. So I was really excited. I'm hyped to see Yamato in a big match. I hope that he uh, brings it. I thought he looked pretty good in the opener, but I don't think we could judge that based on a full singles match like with Sato, like Sato had with Omori. I want to see what they could do together because I think if if he brings it that like he used to be, be able to, I think he could be a total banger. 
Thank you so much for that backstory. That is really, really compelling. And I really uh, enjoyed that because I didn't know that. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. Jonetsu Hentai Baka representing right, right now. Next up, we have Voodoo Murders versus Total Eclipse. This was Jake Lee's return match, while Suwama returned to Voodoo Murders complete with his bleach blonde hair dyed red. Suwama said he will show Jake who the real healers are and he was true to his word. This was chaos. There was a bit of wrestling, mostly between Jake and Suwama, with Jake showing off his new moonsault. After the ref was knocked out on purpose, Wada came to the ring to get the match back on track, but to no avail. He called for the bell and this ended in a no contest at 12 minutes. I wasn't super proud that their entrance appealed to me in the same way that like all cheesy horror appeals to me. So (laughs) not super proud of that, but (laughs) yeah, I had, you know, I think like everyone, I had fairly mixed feelings about this going, going into it. To me, voodoo murders, I don't think it's something that we need to revisit, but if we were going to do it, the caveat is one night only fine, but I think that it actually was a lot more fun than I thought, but it was fun because to me, I don't really, I, I like, I don't, I didn't have to like pay attention to what anyone else in Voodoo Murders was doing because really like the stars of the show were Jake and Suwama and the match served as a way to heat the two of them up. And I don't know why we needed a Voodoo Murders reunion to heat the two of them up, but that's what we got. So that's fine. It was really fun to see Suwama in heel mode I think that that's actually a really like cool part of his character and if we could see that more that would be really compelling I don't know how that would work in the way that evolution works right now I'm not sure he could bring that back to evolution or runaway suplex but it was really compelling and it really the match itself and the way that it was set up and with the the musician there to do the total eclipse and Jake Lee's theme music it served its purpose in making Jake Lee feel like a big deal coming off of being injured and being laid out for as long as he was. I think it was probably about three months all in all. So I thought that part of it was really effective. And then their, their back and forth at the end and throwing the guardrail at each other was also very effective. So it, it achieved a couple of good things, but do we need to keep revisiting Voodoo Murders? No. Do Voodoo Murders need to have a t-shirt up in the All Japan store right now when I can't buy an Evolution shirt? No. I did not know that that they put up a voodoo murder shirt and I can't get a single evolution shirt. Wow. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I took the words right out of my mouth. We didn't need this match, but it did have a lot of really fun things, uh, especially between Jake and Suwama, the throwing the guardrail at each other. Like you said, is probably one of my favorite parts. One of my favorite moments of the night, actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I liked mean Suwama. I would love that. I would love him to bring that energy into runaway suplex. Let's get some heel Ashino back and, and go in and get both of them. That would be a really fun little, little stint into heal them. So what about you, Dylan? <laughs> Rachel, you know how much I admire you in this show and all you've done. And then you <laughs> oh, bring, no. then you bring me on and you tell, and you tell me this right, right in front of me, right to my face. Right, right to my horrendously ugly face. It's not like it is on Twitter at all. It's totally false. No, you're ruining my kayfabe. You're ruining my kayfabe right now. Okay. 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 Well, no, for real though. (laughs) Voodoo murders is the thing I possibly, I have so many mixed feelings about this because throughout all of the years, there have been so many heel stables in Japanese wrestling. And I feel like Voodoo Murders was kind of like the seed that was planted that spawned every subsequent 
overly like uh, interference laden, stupid heel faction that I hate so much with all of my heart and my life that they put it together. And I have to blame, blame them for it and blame Taru. Taru being in all Japan was something I never expected or wanted or asked for, but we got it. And I have to say, actually, Alicia, your point was totally true. At the end of the day, this match was really about Suwama and Jake and Jake coming back. He had his new move, the moonsault. Uh, they kind of built him up as almost like, uh, you know, super Jake in this match. It felt like he was going through everything, fighting against this bigger opponent in Suwama at the end with the guardrails and everything. It was out of control. But the thing is, it was out of control. But some of these guys, uh, I really even wonder what the point of making this, like bringing the whole gang back is, because it's like, you know, Hijikata or excuse me, Toshizo uh, in this match, uh, he... He barely did anything. Kono, I was like, huh, he was in that match? Yeah, I was just thinking, I, Kono actually do anything? I'm trying to remember now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And this should have been a big deal for him. He's been doing nothing since Wrestle 1 happened. If I were him, I'd be like so fired up to get a spotlight in a company like this. I would have been going crazy, doing whatever I could. And it was like, you know, you totally forgot he was there. But at the end of the day, Taru and his crew and his gang ended up invading all Japan at the end of the day for a one night thing, like you said, and which it appears to be, I was really fearful because this match didn't really have a, a true winner with all the stuff with water coming out at the end. I was afraid that this was going to build to something. And I think I would be a lot more negative on it, but truly for just a one night only match, I think this served its purpose. Again, was a callback to a history that I, I personally, and maybe some people agree with me. Some people don't. I personally didn't need to relive it, but some people were probably huge fans. So if you grew up with voodoo murders and lived through all of that era, it, and especially in Japan, if you're a Japanese fan, it probably meant something to you. So I, I enjoy them going back to nostalgia, even if it's something I personally didn't like. So I was ultimately okay with this, even though I wanted to hate this and I didn't like it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I didn't like it, but there were some stuff to glean for it. It's not like it ruined the show for me, uh, especially with all the good matches that we had before this. Uh, I think this was what it was at the end of the day. And I, and I could, I've survived it. And I think that's all I could ask for. I, I survived. And I do want to say, and maybe Jesse, you can help me out here. I want to, I want to say something about Jake Lee's moonsault. Suama kicks out of it in that match. And I don't know. I'm just like, I'm wonder, I'm worried about him and the moonsault because I don't know how I feel about like really big guys doing the moonsault because really people like Kobashi and Mudo had no business mm-hmm, doing go. moonsaults. So I'm a little bit concerned about Jake Lee adding a moonsault to his arsenal, given his unfortunate history of injuries and then he comes back after practicing like on his instagram you could watch him just doing the flips into like you know the soft pads for like weeks leading up to this and he comes back and suama kicks out of it and i think i've seen one other time since he's been back where someone's kicked out jesse do you remember have any memory of people kicking out of the moonsault since the voodoo murders match i think it was the next show after yeah i i don't know what I don't know what we're using the moon salt for. (laughs) If it's just going to be something people kick out of. I don't know. I don't know if I'm like weird and feeling that way. I was just thought it was kind of funny that he debuted it at Champions Night 3 and then Suama just immediately kicked out of it. Uh, and all of the build-up too i have to thank this show again uh, like i said i'm not always into the stuff there but when you guys were talking about him practicing the moonsault and on the, your twitter pages and things like that seeing the videos i wouldn't have known about that so you all gave me the scoop on jake lee's moonsault so i, I was not nearly as impressed as maybe i would have been or no i was impressed by it other than like you said suama kicking out immediately that was not very <laughs> impressive but the form on it was was delightful, I would say. He did a very good moonsault, in my opinion. 
Jesse, do you have any extended opinions on voodoo murders? Suama with red hair. Yes. Oh, by the way, red hair, Suama. <laughs> Huge thumbs up in my opinion. Like, oh, continue. yes. <laughs> I thought this match was better than I expected. I thought it was going to be complete chaos, but there was actually some wrestling in there. I kind of wish Jake just said on Twitter, like, hey, I'm bringing in a new move and not showing us. Yeah, it's going to be a moonsault. Maybe if he hits it from the top rope, he'll get a three count because this was from the middle rope. But, I mean, he could have come back with a big power move. He's, like you said, he's a tall guy. He's doing flippy moves. He could have been, like, you know, have a new power move in his arsenal that can actually win a match. But, um, yeah, it was okay. It seems over with stuff that happens in the next show. It seems Voodoo Murders is done in all Japan. It was just a one-night thing. So this match happened. It was fine. Now, for the main event, which was a triple crown, I absolutely love this match. They went all out for it. Kento was big match Kento, while Suji seemed extra motivated. This match was great, but especially in the last 10 minutes, and I think that's what All Japan really does well in main events. They really build up the last couple of 10 minutes. Uh, Kento was victorious in his second defense, pinning Suji after a shutdown suplex at 32 minutes. With this win, Kento now holds the record for most combined Triple Crown Championship defenses at 22. He took the record from Misawa, who had 21 defenses. I thought this match was a great, great match. Uh, honestly, I really enjoyed be- the big dog making his reappearance to the main event scene. As I said, I've really liked what he's been doing for a while now. Even when he was like TV champion, I thought he was putting on some really cool matches and stepping up big. You know, Kento, I really am like in love with him as champion right now i think he has turned out to be a great choice obviously the circumstances kind of sucked with jake's injury and everything but i think he's taken this ball and ran with it so hard as you you would always expect him to because he's such a tremendous performer uh, and a, a tremendous ace character for the uh the entire company but I really enjoyed the big moves they did here. They, he threw everything at Kento. I thought you, I talked about Super Jake earlier. Super Kento here was in full force here in a, in a brilliant way, too. And the way they did it, they, this match felt like a huge epic and like a true epic, not like maybe some people have some and it's kind of, it feels forced sometimes. I thought this one came across really naturally with Ishikawa bringing out the big move, uh, the Mihara killer, kind of like a Gonzo bomb uh, almost uh, a little bit. And Miyahara was so good here, bringing back stuff that they've done in, in old matches, but kicking it up a notch to a new level, in my opinion. I think this is one of their better matches they've had in their whole series, even compared to the ones they've had a few years ago. And just a great show. Again, King's Road era. This was like true fighting spirit from Kento here. And everything worked about this match to me. I thought it was really good. I liked the last man standing match better, just me. But I thought this totally worked as another chapter in Kento's story. And I thought Ishikawa deserves a lot of credit for stepping up here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that this worked so well because Kento works really well when he has to come from behind. And that dynamic works really well when he has to work with Ishikawa. So in that way, this the match and the way that it was set up between them is extremely effective. It was very dramatic. It looked great in this venue. And Kento just looks like an incredible champion in this venue. It just makes me, made me think ahead a lot to what the Budokan is going to look like if Kento is still holding that belt through to the Budokan. That's just really exciting. And it was really cool to see too, because I think that like Dylan, you just hit like every point of why the match worked and why it was so great. But what I think was really cool was coming in after the show and seeing how many people on my timeline that don't usually talk about all Japan. This yes. show had people 
talking about all Japan that don't normally watch show to show. And that was really cool. I mean, it was, this match had so much buzz behind it, which was always, always so exciting to see. People were talking about Honda and Ashino and people were talking about the Voodoo Murder stuff, but that's, you know, whatever. (laughs) But (laughs) it was really cool to see that this, this main event in particular had people talking and that really does speak to the effectiveness of Kento Miyahara as champion. Western fans do recognize him as the ace and sort of the, 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 the center of all Japan. And that's why he's so effective as the champion right now, as we're sort of navigating this, this special year for them. And it wasn't the plan. You know, I, I would have, I would have believed that they would have had the belt longer on Jake if he hadn't gotten injured, but it is really, really nice to see that they can use this momentum to turn some heads, make people start watching all Japan, which I think is great. Even the attendance on the show was, was high up too, like uh, here. And, and same for last month with Kobayashi. That was like one of their best Corquins in forever. I think he's got a lot of people's attention, not just in the West, but also I think uh, in Japan natively, I think he adds a lot. I, I said this on some show I was doing. Uh, I think Kento kind of was, because he was doing tag work so long, he became kind of underrated as like a star. And I think this run is really making people remember like, hey, this guy is one of the top stars in Japan uh, on his own. And with everything coming up for him, I think that this the timing turned out to be so good, even though it wasn't, you know, like I said, the circumstances kind of sucked because of the injury. But I think things are turning out so good for him, especially. And he's doing a great job as champion. Yeah, I agree with a point you made, Alicia, that so many people on Twitter were just so happy with the show after it ended. And to see that in all Japan, just like, oh, my gosh, like this is like. This is rare. Normally people complain, especially in Champions Night 1 and Champions Night 2. I know a lot of people on Twitter were really down on the endings and the main events. And I will defend the Champion Night 2 main event till the day I died that it was important. But this one was just amazing and people are so happy and I'm so happy with it. It was just a great match. Yeah, I have nothing really to say. It was yeah. a phenomenal match. It was just, uh, you guys said it. And um, this whole show in general, like you said, just really got people talking and really people invested in all Japan. If I hadn't already started watching for this podcast, you know, regularly, I would absolutely have watched the rest of Power uh, Dream Power series just to get more into the promotion. I think they knocked it out of the park and this match really, really exemplifies that, especially like Dylan said, the fighting spirit of Kento um, and the pacing from Kento and Ishikawa as well. And that's something I've always liked about Kento is how well paced his matches are. But like you said, Jesse, it just goes right into up into that 10 minutes where everything ramps up and it's just a pulls you in and then it just drops it on you and it's just fantastic i thought it was an amazing match in his in-ring post-match promo kento called out anyone who was in the champion carnival to come out and confront him but nobody did and just a couple notes suji had black manso re in his corner while he isn't even in faction black manso re isn't even faction but it was like it was nice to see and kento had aski and haito in his corner but yuma was not there and Champions Night 3, the attendance was 1,319, which is up from Champions Night 2 that had 1,242 people. Very interesting about Yuma going into Champion Carnival. So we'll see. We'll see. I know we've been high on uh, any ideas that might stem from that, especially with them being the uh, final match in their blocks. So we'll just have to see. I blame Kento for this 100%. I, he is the one who yet. He, he is the one who said he had no friends in wrestling. <laughs> Aoyagi 
he how many times has Aoyagi had Kento's back in these tag matches? How many times have uh well the one time he turned on him first, but then he realized the error of his ways and returned to Kento. So I feel like Kento is not allowing any growth <laughs> for Yuma right now. That's my opinion. Mm. <laughs> Kento, Kento's interesting though because he talks out of both sides of his mouth like he says that like you know he's the best of the best he has no friends in wrestling he talks about that all the time but he also does things for Yuma that show how invested he is in his relationship with Yuma like Jesse's pointed out multiple times when he yes. held the ropes for Yuma going into his match against Suwama and I always talk about when they won the last real world tag league it was Kento who reached for Yuma first which was, you know, a, a big moment for Kento as a character. So that's that's really interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because Jessie has also pointed out brilliantly, and I can't remember when she pointed it out because we keep recording these things and I don't know who said what when, but Jessie has recently pointed out that Kento has a massive ego and he's the champion right now. So is that going to be his downfall or is Yuma trying to once again step out of Kento's shadow going to be the thing that might break them apart i don't know i don't know we're on betrayal watch now with next stream i was thinking you may playing kento's corner tonight he's this is the night he betrays him again i'm just waiting for it like counting down the days that they're gonna break my heart and i thought it was champions i three is gonna happen but it didn't i loved the first time he turned on him though it was so fun how he yes. <laughs> just when he su- just when he suplexed him and that look he had i'll never forget the look he had when he set up after he suplexed him just such a smug bastard that i loved him for it so funny and then when i really i just rewatched that <laughs> that whole thing and then i loved kento crawling to the mic and speaking into the mic his head down against the mat because like yeah. he's just so overwrought by what yuma has done to him Ugh, they're too much Day five was on the 27th of March, and it was a video demand show. It was another filler show, bridging the gap from Champions Night 3 to Champion Carnival, but there was some wonderful wrestling. Both next three matches were good. In the first one, we had the Ayaki brothers, and they took on Evolutions Jr., Hikaru Sato, and Dan Tamura. Yuma won with the endgame in under 12 minutes. I loved this match. I love this match. I loved that we are constantly dancing around something with Sato and Atsuki. And that is the most exciting bit to me always. Um, their like stare down at the end of that. I love that like simmering tension. And I really do hope that we get to see that play out. You know, I, I want to see that match against the, them against each other again, down the line. I had talked about, I think, was it maybe the first or second episode of Talking Triple Crown, but their match that set up Sato's title challenge was like my favorite match of that tour. I love that interaction between them. So I'm always looking forward to when we can run that back. And I'm hoping that that will be like Otsuki's, you know, big coming out, so to speak. I thought Sato was so fantastic in this match. <laughs> and I, I especially, I mean, I liked all of them here, but I thought Sato specifically, I thought really stood out. Uh, I would love to see him and Yuma have some kind of singles match. Obviously not while he's champion, but I think that they, had the, there's something between these two personalities that I feel like could come together and create something really great. Uh, stylistically too, I think Yuma is as good technically as a lot of the heavyweights uh, that you could have. And I think he's a great fit stylistically against Sato. I would love to see them have some kind of singles match in the future. And obviously Atsuki, I feel like is the he is destined to be the successor, like for the title, the one to elevate himself to the ace of the junior division eventually. And 
that that that's somebody I feel like could be pegged for that Budokan show later this year. And I hope to God Sato keeps that title uh, until then, because I would love to see that matchup. And I think he would do a wonderful job. Aoyagi would look fantastic, uh, especially with how this looked. I, I just thought it was a way, you know, I, I don't want to say underrated, but again, if I wasn't doing the show, I probably would have slept on it, but not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Now, anytime I see guys like this on these tag teams, on these undercards, I am watching for sure in the future. This was a, a really fantastic match. I thought. Yeah, I'll probably say this again uh, when we talk about the next show on the 29th, but I'm getting to a point where those two's interactions in the ring are so good and they have so much tension that I'm going to almost be disappointed if anyone other than Otsuki ends that reign. You mentioned that Budokan and I I just really, really want to see it. I want to see Sato enter the Budokan as champion. I want to see Sato enter the Budokan as champion and I want to see Otsuki win and sort of become that junior ace that he's sort of destined to be. It's just, it feels like perfect booking to me. And I'm going to be a little sad if it doesn't happen. I'm going to, going to be pouting. I'm definitely going to be doing some tweeting if that doesn't happen. So we'll see. <laughs> I will say, Dylan, if you want Yuma and Sato, they versed each other at Fan Appreciation Night 2021 last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so a match and it was really fun. Yeah, yeah that, that was really good. Next up, we have Suji Ishikawa, Kesuke Ishii facing Kento and Ryzen Haito. Suji pinned Haito for the win in just after 12 minutes. Ishii hasn't been seen in All Japan since 2017. This was one of my favorite All Japan matches of this month. I loved it. I watched it twice um, this afternoon, actually. I, I immediately went and rewound it and watched it again. I loved it. I love Ishii in general. I've been a pretty big fan from his DDT work. And um, of course, he has a really rich love of All Japan stemming from just way back in the day from his childhood, he was a huge King's Road nerd. So having him show up whenever he shows up in all Japan, it's always magical. Um, And it's just, it's, it's a great match. Ishikawa looks like a monster. He did a phenomenal job, um, especially here. Dylan, you said it best. He's just sort of unlocking um, his potential and, you know, Ishikawa's always had, you know, great presence. So it's just a really, really good match. I cannot recommend it enough. There was a baby in the front row. So you know that whenever there's a baby in the front row, you're going to get a lot of Kento. Yeah. A lot of Kento. Yeah, there was a lot so, of Kento. <laughs> there was a lot of Kento I'm, behavior I'm very, in that match. I'm very high on the Ishi Ishikawa team, but yeah, there was a lot of Kento. There was, was high drama in, in this in this tag. It was excellent. I really like, it was, oh, it was so good. This little like video on demand was like sneaky one of the best parts of the month. It was it was really good. This match was like I said, high drama. I've talked about this before, but like the way that Kento like directs all of his tag partners is insane, but like extremely engrossing and very effective. But he like he was so intense about Hayato this entire match. But yeah, I love this from top to bottom. This and the other tag makes the show so worth watching. Oh, totally agree. And I was so psyched to see uh, Ishii here in All Japan again. He's a guy that I have always thought so highly of. That was one of the best junior heavyweights uh, in Japan. Right now, he's a DT, but they have him in their under promotion, Ganbari Pro, mm-hmm. um, which is a fun promotion in its own right. But he never got the push that I thought he should have gotten or any kind of spotlight really in DDT at all. And I always thought he was like one of the best talents that they had. Uh, even his old uh, junior title reign that he had a few years ago at All Japan was so good. 
uh, that they had uh, so many great matches that he was a part of in Tag of Juniors. He had defenses against all kinds of people. Uh, he actually defended against Yuma when Yuma was still a junior heavyweight in there. Uh, but he's a, a, such a talented guy. I, I thought he was awesome here. And I thought he fits in surprisingly well with Ishikawa as they were both, uh, especially against Hayato, where he could just bully him and beat him down. And Hayato sold so great and such great fire. And they both got hot tags too in the match, uh, both Hayato and Kento. And I thought they both were excellent. And like whenever they got the chance to have a flurry of offense, I thought was so good in there. I just uh, totally agree with Alicia. What a what a great match. And both of the tag matches that we talked about just made this, like you said, totally worth watching. Uh, even with <laughs> both a Tajiri and a Yoshitatsu singles match on the show as well. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Admittedly, (laughs) I was in a hurry to catch up and I skipped those and I don't particularly regret it. I'm (laughs) sorry. I won't front. I did skip Yoshitatsu single because I was catching up on a lot of this yesterday and I didn't have time. And also AJPW TV loves to crash when I need it to not. So that was a thing. But I did watch um, Tajiri's single, which is, is quite missable. Definitely focus on the tags. Yeah, I didn't even watch it. That's why I didn't include it in the shake. <laughs> you know, Jesse, oh that goodness. was smart. Yeah. Am I, the, am I the only one stupid enough to watch these Yoshitatsu matches? No, yes. that was the only one I skipped. That was the only one I skipped. <laughs> I just want to say, like, Tajiri's had the belt for over a thousand days now. Does anybody really care? It's like a belt from some, I think it was Austria. Am I correct saying it's Austria? It's where the, he's belt from? EWA that has to be like maybe European wrestling yeah, association somewhere in European it's just it's like I think we all have a Twitter <laughs> friend who actually submitted a question to us I and I don't know how to pronounce their Twitter username maybe does worry they are actually the one who even drew my attention to the fact that Tajiri had this belt because they randomly tweeted like doesn't this promotion want their belt back right before (laughs) this match happened? So I just thought that was really, really funny. That's the only reason why, like when I saw what was on the card, I was like, is that the belt that he's had for like held hostage now for like however many days? But that's the only reason why I knew. That promotion still runs shows. It's not like it went out of business or whatever. (laughs) Like, so like, why don't you, why don't you watch your belt back EWA? Like you you can't let Tajiri have this much power over you. But Tajiri, he's a politician, man. He's he knows what he's doing, and he and he used his power to take the prestigious EWA title. And Tattoo's belt is like there's no information on it. It's just like he just has a belt. Corona just, International, I think. It's just yes. I couldn't find any information on this belt. That belt drives me nuts. He just it's like it's just a fake a fake belt that he just you know we just have to. It's almost about. It has about as much worth as like Segura and um, Segura's belt. <laughs> that's immediately what I thought of too. Was the yeah. Sugi belts. belts? Like that's exactly the amount of worth that that Yoshitatsu belt has. It's it's that kind of belt. How dare you disrespect Segura's <laughs> belt right now while I'm on the show? And Was no, this an, an attack on me right now? No, I in, no, I I love those belts. Like you won't trust me, but Yoshitatsu, he's he's holding a fake belt. We're watching him yes. defend a fake belt on those shows. Yes, Yoshitatsu's fake belt is a million times less prestigious than Sugiro's. Yes, yes. That, that's just my opinion. Didn't yes. they defend those belts at at a Cyber Fight Festival? So they've been defended. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those belts are, are legitimate, but yes. you all know what <laughs> Yoshitatsu I'm saying. is. Yoshitatsu. Yeah. Sugira up here, Yoshitatsu 
off screen. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Could not have said it better myself. And I'm mad that he still has the six uh, man tag belts, even when he was feuding with these tag team partners who had the belts, <laughs> like Tatsuyuki and Tachibana. It's just like, do something with these belts, like make them important. But they don't seem to want to. So whatever. After the main event, Suwama claims he can't remember anything from Champions Night 3 and denies he even tagged with Voodoo Murders. He said he is the managing director and that's it. That was so hilarious when I read that on, <laughs> on your research. I couldn't believe it uh, that, they, that they actually went that route with it. But I love it. I absolutely love it. The perfect way to handle Voodoo Murders. We just don't remember that that even happened. Amnesia. It's good. It's very pro wrestling. And the picture he took was very lovely. He was back in a suit. So Absolutely. all good. All good. All's well that ends well. Day six and the last day of the tour happened on the 29th of March. This was a very fun show to end the month and leading into Champion Carnival. First up, we have the next room juniors, Asuki and Haito versus the Evolution juniors, Sato and Tamora. This was great. It was a real showcase of All Japan Junior Division. And after the match, there was a little stare down between Sato and Asuki. And I'm definitely overthinking this, but I'm pretty sure that's where this belt is going to end with Asuki and Sato. I don't think you're overthinking it at all. I think we all want it. I think we're all yeah. dying for it. <laughs> I would totally agree. I couldn't agree more, Jesse. We also had a double main event. First up was Yuma Oyagi, Shoshiro Oshino, Yoshitatsu versus T-Hawk. Shigehiri Iri and Takuya Nomura. Before the show even started, Ashino posted on Twitter in English, don't trust Oyagi, and he was right. Yuma being his smug self, calling Ashino Ashi the whole match, making a blind tag and trying for a handshake. This is completely Ashino's fault that he was being smug. Uh, Yuma did nothing wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> What? Mm. No, uh-uh. No, no, no. Ashino has never done anything wrong in his life, first off. <laughs> no, you, no, those two have always been at each other's throat. And Yuma was just taking advantage of Ashino already not liking him. And he was just poking the bear. Again, that's all anybody ever does with Ashino is they just poke at him because they know he's going to react. You can't blame him. Well, first of all, you're completely right, Rachel. I apologize. You, you put me in my place as I needed to be because I said something totally reckless, and I apologize. We all know whose fault this really is. We, we're overlooking a key element in this, and that is Yoshitatsu. You're right. You're right. He caused His this. presence causes strife. It does. <laughs> yes. It's just a, a chaos like element. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You are right. You are correct. Thank you. Poor Jesse. She <laughs> <laughs> just wants control of her show back. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's good. Yuma is the worst, basically. <laughs> and that's why um, we love him. But yeah, this was actually a pretty good match. I liked it. I think the second half picked up a lot more than first half. T-Hulk and Eerie was great. I'm very excited to see them go at it. Yuma suplexed Ashino, which did help the opponents win. So he did. Um, Ashino was right to not trust Oyagi. So Ashino was pinned in 15 minutes, and because Ashino is a tag team champion, Erie could be looking for a title match against him and Suwama. This was a really great tag. I thought it was. I thought there was parts that were really, really, really effective. I was really excited by Ashino and T Hawk because that was seeing some of their Wrestle One stuff kind of come back up again. So that was really cool for me personally. Yeah, getting a first look at Nomura too. I don't know if you guys are. 
uh, have watched him that much, but uh, hopefully you liked uh, what you saw here. I, he's one of my favorites. And T-Hawk, too, is obviously. I He's the only one I, I predicted right on my show. We were predicting uh, champion carnival participants. Uh, unfortunately, Dr. Jonathan, his Jeff Jarrett prediction did not come through. But we did get Nomura and a T-Hawk in there as well. So uh, hopefully you, you are anticipating Nomura. I am so excited for Nomura. The only time I've seen him is when he shows up in all Japan. But you never hear anything bad about him. It's always good. So I'm so excited. I am going to say I was really excited about seeing Nomura here. I'm super excited about him in terms of like all of the matches that he's going to have in Champion Carnival. But to have to take Yoshitatsu seriously going up against Nomura in this and like taking Yoshitatsu seriously as like a jujitsu guy that like broke my suspension of disbelief a little bit, but that's my, my last, I think burial of Yoshitatsu on the show. I think, I think we might have one more in us. Yeah. Oh no, we do have one more. We do have one more. <laughs> I we hate to break more. it to you. I've looked at, one. I've looked at the outline. <laughs> that was my second to last one, but I was really excited by Nomura. I'm, I'm really, really excited about his run through Champion Carnival. I'm expecting him to do rather well. The second main event was Kento Mihara, Suwama, and Suji Ishikawa versus the Total Eclipse team of Jake Lee, Kuma Arashi, and Ruki Honda. Kento, being a total drama queen, doesn't want to stand anywhere near Suwama or even be tag team partners with him. Like the last match, it was a lot of fun. Suwama was actually trying to get a handshake with Kento and cooperate with him. Kento was hesitant and even accidentally kicked Suwama in the face and Suwama wasn't angry. Puma did fall to the shutdown suplex and Kento got the three count after 20 minutes. Just seemed like a standard build-up uh, tag for the champion carnival here. I, I I do like that Kento is being kept strong. I'm always in favor of the champ looking good. So uh, I always I, I always enjoyed that. I thought this match was good too. Obviously, the focus will be on Jake and Honda going forward as well. After the match, all champion carnival participants came to the ring and got a chance on the mic. Honda said it's Jake's fault their team lost, and in the champion carnival, he will break his face again. Jake answered him with a backdrop. This was a cool moment. I was super yeah. into it. Yeah. It's so interesting because this podcast was talking about issues between Honda and Amori for a long time. And if we were go- like what we were going to see is the result of that friction. And then we were guessing about what we might see between Jake and Honda now that Jake is back. So there's um, still a million different directions that we're going to potentially see them go with this. I, I'm interested to see if we're going to see an actual struggle for power between these two moving forward but yeah this was a this was a really really cool moment i was very into it totally agree i thought this was awesome uh, and, and it's a very cool little deal because this is around the same time he suplexed kuma last year which i thought was kind of like the start of his push uh and i and i thought equally impactful in this case even probably even more so that he's taking the leader on and i think there's so much again you know i feel like great call on you guys' part, uh, you know, talking about this, and now it's really coming to pass. I think this is something that could carry, I don't want to say the whole promotion, but I think this can be a story that they could tell for like months and months and months and have a lot to it. So I'm very hyped for this. I think it's going to be awesome, and uh, I think this was a great start. I can't agree more. It was a really awesome moment. I love that both of them have this, and I've said it before, this anime villain, manga villain way of speaking. And just hearing them talk that way to each other was really compelling. (laughs) It's almost uh, like Alicia was talking about how uh, Honda takes it on so naturally where Jake sort of had to develop into it. So now you're seeing 
the people they've become and how they're clashing heads now. And there's just so much high drama to it. I also really want to mention Ashino coming in right after and gesturing at Kuma, like, shouldn't y'all, shouldn't you be with him? And there was just this awkward silence, just this dead silence as Kuma just sort of stared at him and Ashino stared back and the crowd just kind of lost it. <laughs> they they were all, but it was, it was a really interesting moment as what's going on in Total Eclipse. Why wasn't Kuma? Like, why didn't he go with them? And um, so it's interesting. You should bring up that suplex as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on the battle of the anime villains what we all love most in our wrestling. Oh, I absolutely love it. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I did think it was funny. And this is something that Jesse has spoken to so well before, but like all Japan doesn't book massive angles with the wrestlers, with their factions, but it, like totally clips is where they've been booking these kind of long-term angles that kind of develop over time. So to see like this drama play out between total eclipse, like while the entire like rest of the champions carnival participants are just standing there all watching. They look like the, like the standing guy emoji, like all the just standing there watching this play out was actually really funny. And then like everyone from Total Eclipse, but Kuma storms off. Like that was really funny to me, but it also just highlights that like, they're the only people that really do this work in all it's Japan so right good. now. <laughs> Kento was on the floor. Like he wasn't even, he was pacing. He was being pacing himself. Around. Just absolutely just watching it from below. And Nomura's face was also really good. It was, it was a really good moment. I liked how everybody came to the ring in the end, got their chance to say stuff, got their chance to backdrop their teammate. I just, I really liked it. It was a good way to end the month. Okay, next up, we have some March moments, moments that we loved during the month. So Jake Lee got to sit down with Genichiro Tenryu for a special interview for Samurai TV. And unfortunately, this is not really available widely for us to watch. I wish so badly it was something that was available on YouTube. I also wish it was something that we could get someone to translate for us. But this really excited me because I talked about this on a different episode of Talking Triple Crown, but I was so happy that Jake got to spend time with Kenta Kobashi and Toshiaki Kawada while he was Triple Crown champion. That to me was very special and very important that we're linking Jake as the new Triple Crown champion with past champions of All Japan, especially champions as important as Kawada and Kobashi. So I was so excited to see that he sat down with Tenryu. And if you're listening and you, for some reason, have access to Samurai TV, please let us know if you watched this and if you know anything that was said between them, because I would just love to have that information because I think it's so cool that they got to sit down and talk to each other. Also, I wanted to give some information about the Jumbo Saruta Memorial Show. The Jumbo Saruta Memorial Show is on May 31st, 2022. It's in Corpin, and Genichiro Tenryu and the Great Kabuki were actually just announced as guests at the very end of March, and they're going to join in Kenta Kobashi, Toshiaki Kawada, and Akira Tawe, who will almost certainly participate in the ceremony to honor Jumbo that will be held after the matches. And other confirmed guests include Taichi and Shingo Takagi of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Suwama of All Japan, Great Kojika of Big Japan, Jun Akiyama of DDT, Atsushi Onida, Yoshiaki Yatsu, Shiro Kojinaka, and Masao Inoue of Noah. Kim Duck, also known as Masanori Taguchi, will also have his retirement match during the show. All Japan has released face pillows, and like the name suggests, they are pillows of the wrestlers' faces. Only four are available right now, Suwama, Suji, Kento, and Jake. 
They are a little bit weird, but fans seem to absolutely love them. One fan even going as far to buy three Jake pillows and tucking them into the bed, which was pretty adorable, actually. When I read this on the notes, it made me so happy. I can't tell you how how impressed I was with All Japan for this brilliant marketing opportunity of these face pillows. So I, I was so happy to read this. This is the stuff that I love about this show is that you get so you get stuff like this that I probably never would have even thought to even think about looking about, but you've come through Jesse and I really appreciate it. For the record, the Suwama one is the only one left in stock and me and Rachel are hoping they stay in stock because we're trying <laughs> to buy the Suwama ones. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think it's destiny at this point that the Suwama one is calling our name. So they they're goofy, but they're great. Like I, I love stuff like that. I'm with you, Dylan. All Japan and All Japan wrestlers have been showing their support to Koji Iwamoto in his new venture. He left the company last year and he started a gym. All Japan has sent flowers while Yuma, Nikan Lee, and Hokuto Amore went to the gym and gave him presents. This made me so happy to see. I was so thrilled that they all went. I know that Omori did some training in there. They posted a lot of videos on Instagram. And I loved that Nikon Lee brought like a plant and Yuma brought alcohol. I thought that was so (laughs) sweet. And I know that Jake has taken a lot of photos with uh, Koji recently. So they're all still like seeing each other and supporting him. And that just makes me feel a lot better about the whole thing. We miss you, Iwamoto. Yuma Azai has officially joined the All Japan Dojo, starting out like any other with a freshly shaven head. He definitely has big shoes to fill. Even though this happened on April 1st, it was still March in America, so technically this counts. We had the Champion Carnival press conference. Kento said he wants to win the Champion Carnival for a second time as champion, while Jake says he wants to win two in a row. Tatsu was dressed head to toe in Louis Vuitton with his outfit costing over 1 million yen. I was going to say, or so he claims it cost over one million yen. <laughs> I want some verification on this. Imagine spending that much money to look that bad. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. At the same press conference, President Fukuda announced a six-man tournament that will be held in July. He also said he was open to inviting other groups, which sounds like wrestlers from other companies will be included. The press conference is available on YouTube for anyone to view, and it is also available on AJPW.TV for free if you want to view it there. Now we move on to April Tour Notes. Champion Carnival will kick off. Rachel and I recorded a quick Talking Triple Crown episode about all you need to know about it. If you haven't listened, make sure you go and give it a listen. Very quickly, I will go over some details though. Champion Carnival starts on the 9th of April and finishes on the 5th of May. In A Block... We have Suji Ishikawa, Jake Lee, Ryuki Honda, Shigehiro Iri, Shoto Ishino, and T-Hawk. Block B has Kento Mihara, Yuma Oyaki, Yoshi Tatsu, Suwama, Kuma Arashi, and Takuya Nomura. All Japan and New Japan have a joint show. It's set for the 16th of April, smack bang in the middle of Champion Carnival. It is headlined by Jake Lee and Taichi versus Kento Mihara and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Sonata was supposed to be in the match, but suffered an injury similar to the one Jake Lee had last year. He has been replaced by Taichi. As of recording, this show will just be available in Japan, but we do hope one day it will end up on New Japan World or AJPW TV in the future. Okay, now for some questions. Smiling Wizard asks, what do we think about Koji Doi being left out of Champion Carnival this year? I think it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. I am not a fan of Koji Doi being left out. 
I don't like having to choose between him and Kuma, but I think if I were to have had to choose between the two of them, I, I would have probably put Koji Doi in because I do think that Koji Doi is the stronger singles wrestler. And I was surprised that someone like Yoshitatsu got in, but we didn't end up having just both Kuma and Koji, given that they've both had a really good run as tag partners and um, made it to the finals of real world tag league. So yeah, I'm not thrilled about Koji Doi being left out. I did leave room for there to be like some sort of issue where he's maybe working injured and maybe he can't work at the carnival schedule, but he's okay to maybe work some tags. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure if there's something like that going on. So I did leave that room for that sort of thing to have happened, but otherwise I don't really understand why it was Koji Doi that was left out this time, but also Kuma was the one that was left out the last time. So I don't know. I don't really know what to take from that really, but I just know that I'm not a fan of Koji Doi not being on the, uh, on the list this year of participants. Yeah, it's really weird. They're either taking Koji or Kuma. They're not taking both at the same time. And I think the clash between them would be really, really fun because they are just tag team partners. And I'm always a fan of tag team partners fighting each other one-on-one. So I, I wish he was in Champion Carnival. I don't know why he was left out. And the thing is, they have great history in Wrestle 1. They were enemies. You know, they were partners at first. And then uh, Kuma turned on Doi. That was like Doi's whole character arc in Wrestle 1. Um, was that the Enfants was his main rivals, kind of. So they have so much history with each other that they could probably have, like you said, the tag partners going together would probably produce a lot of extra effort. You know, even if... I, I really agree with what you said, Alicia, about Doi being a better singles worker than Kuma. And I think you could argue that. But I think Kuma, you know, that the extra emotion that you would get from them two together would bring so much to the table. I, I kind of told you this on, on DMs once, but... I feel like Yoshitatsu's in as maybe a favorite of Kento, like former tag team partners. And they have had yeah. some big matches before and like triple crown matches and things like that. That might be, that's kind of the only explanation that I feel like makes any sense because why would you move one and then the other, especially since Doi was in last year and was fine. Like he's not like he did anything wrong or deserved to get kicked out. Uh, that's the only explanation I can really come up with why they had to pick one, why it was Kuma over Doi. I'm not really sure, but maybe they just wanted to give him a chance because remember, his champion carnival was like the really bad one that happened in September with the no fans and it wasn't really fair. So maybe they want to give him a fair shot at it. Uh, I, I'm not really sure, but I definitely think Doi would have added something if he were in there and I, I, I'm going to miss him in having singles matches. Next question comes from Tim Malone. He wants to know, was he the only one surprised that Black Mansory pinned Rising Haito on the show on the 13th? I think it's a bit surprising. You don't see Black Mansory getting a lot of wins, especially single wins like the match was only a short match it lasted six minutes and 27 seconds it was fine for what it was it sucks to see rising highs are losing because he has been losing quite a bit lately but i think for a video on demand show kind of throwaway show it'll be fine but it was good to see black man so re-win because he deserved more wins totally totally agree and hopefully this is a sign that pink mince array will also return <laughs> to all japan soon <laughs> I'm with you, Jesse. I think that like, that doesn't surprise me because I think that sometimes the booking on the house shows, I, I think that's kind of in line with how they book those house shows. Some of the, some of the wins don't necessarily reflect long-term booking or things that we necessarily have to like really care about. It's just sort of like a win for Black Men So Race. So it doesn't really surprise me. And it, it's not something I flagged as um, particularly important. Yeah. It didn't really phase me at all. Rising Hayato still strikes me as being fairly new. 
so, and he's just signed to the promotion. So I still see him sort of on the climb on the rise to make a pun. So it didn't really chalk me that he was taking pins and, uh, yeah, it was good to see, uh, black men's where I get a win. So. Okay. And I actually have a question. Like I said before, Kento now holds the record for most combined offenses with the Triple Crown Championship. Do you also see him taking the record for most Triple Crown reigns? Right now, Suwama holds the record with seven while Kento's on reign number five. Or do you see him tying with Suwama? What do you think, Rachel? Me? (laughs) I'd I'd like you to know. I think he will. I really don't see any reason he won't. I'm still fairly new to the promotion. So getting me put on the spot, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But uh, to me, there's absolutely no reason they shouldn't. And uh, I don't see any, uh, I don't see any reason why he won't become the absolute ace if he isn't already and uh, to give him every accolade that they can in the time period that they have with him. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, and he's he's not even it's not like he's like in the twilight of his career. He's still fairly young in his you know early 30s. So he's got plenty of time to get a few more title reigns under him. I think after this, if things go how I think a lot of us expect it to go, and who and you know, obviously I have my predictions and preferences, but whoever this is this is that's gonna take the torch from him, I think that's somebody they're there that they are really going to focus on along with Jake, I think, because he still has his whole deal. He never lost the title. Technically. I think they're going to try and move around some other guys, but kind of like, you know, some of these other guys and other promotions we've seen a, a bunch of times that are veterans. Like, you know, when you don't expect it, like Sugira and Noah will have a title reign. I feel like Kento still has a few of those up his sleeve. So yeah, I agree with you. I think you'll get it. And Rachel and I have talked about it on our champion carnival show, but very quickly, who do you think will win champion carnival? I think that it's going to come down to either Jake or Yuma. And I feel like the more I've, at first I thought Yuma, if, you know, if it were me, I think the simplest thing is just to have Yuma win and challenge at the Budokan. But since that's so far away and you have a great story with Jake already, and it seems like he's also doing his thing with Honda. I think he's the best one to win as well. in, in that circumstance, I personally would have Yuma win, but I, I think I've tricked myself or Jedi mind tricked myself instead of other people like, like usual, but I've Jedi mind tricked myself into thinking Jake is going to win. I feel the exact same way. I said you made a start with, but now that Jake's back, I've kind of, I'm kind of leaning more towards Jake, especially because he's posted so many times, like he wants to win in front of fans. I think give him his moment. He deserves to win in front of fans. Where I'm at too. I was very adamant that I thought Yuma would go into this champion carnival and win, but I wasn't taking into consideration that we have to build towards a Budokan that would benefit from an extreme showdown in the main event. So I think that in seeing Jake come back, I think Jake could certainly win it. Although I do think that Ashino could very well win his block and, and go to the end. So that will, that will be something to see, but I do think that it's, it's really possible that Jake is going to win it. And like you said, Jesse, it would be, actually very satisfying to watch him win it because I'm still haunted by the way he looked when he won the first time. And this is something that I would like to redo for him in front of a crowd because he deserves it. And I don't want that to be like the only image we get to see of him having won the triple crown, excuse me, the champion carnival. Hey, I have one more question myself. Uh, I wanted to ask, this is something I was thinking of the more we're talking about it, you know, we talked about Jake and Yuma maybe going for the title and maybe even some kind of rift between him and Kento. What if and there's a rift between Jake and, you know, Honda and maybe, you know, total eclipse. 
what if this somehow ends up with Jake and Kento reuniting? Because they were the original partners. And that's an idea. I think that would be a very cool storyline. Like Jake finally coming back to Kento. I'm very, very mixed about that. That feels like, uh, it makes me so nervous just to contemplate that. (laughs) I feel very defensive of Jake and thinking about that because, I mean, it's it's interesting because like on one hand, I want to be like, oh, like that's like an interesting reunion, but that's, you know, original next stream. But like I, for me, that would feel like a step backwards for Jake right back into Kento's shadow. And I don't think it would do him, I don't think it would do him a lot of favors. And I keep thinking about the people that were really negative about Jake's triple crown run and saying that like it wasn't I don't know who that could be (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking about some of those people who are just very negative about his run and saying that like it never really got started and he didn't have very good matches and I would just be afraid that if he were to to go back to Kento it really does look like you know he was not able to reach the next level of his career that he's been been trying so desperately to to reach since he started the whole push from you know ending Jin and going into Total Eclipse so that would be my fear upon seeing that play out my argument against that uh, is or not even against it really because it's kind of (laughs) true to be honest but I think that if Yuma is going to win this title and be that guy Jake doesn't really have a spot on his own like after that, or like one of importance, really, uh, if, if they just keep doing what they're doing, other than this feud with Honda. And once that ends, and you must champion, where would Jake really go from there if he's without Total Eclipse? Or maybe he could be with Total Eclipse. And, but I just think that they need to find something for him, because I, I really love Jake as a talent. Uh, and I think that they should have something in mind for him. I think that's a good, feel-good type of story. And it also keeps Kento in the mix, too, because they have a lot of talent right now up in the air, and I think they have to find places for all of them when this title gets changed to whoever it gets changed. I I think it's Yuma, but it could be anybody, whoever they have in mind. I think they need to keep these guys all in place. Ashino, Jake, Kento, they need to keep them all in something important. You could move Jake to the tag scene. Yeah, yeah. He was... He was good uh, with Koji as all Asia tag team champs. Um, he had a good run. So if you need something to do, like with Kento, they moved him to the tag scene and he kind of like rejuvenated himself. It could be the same with Jake. Yeah. Even in my version of him team with Kento, I would want them to win the titles. Kind of redoing Yuma's storyline with Kent- with Jake in a lot of ways, uh, you know, which can be kind of lame. I, 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 can, I can understand where you're coming from, but I think it would still be, a, it would put out some banger bat matches though, much like Yuma and Kento did. So uh, I guess I would go for that. But yeah, that's a great idea too. Him and Omori as a team, if they, if they stick together with Total Eclipse, that would be awesome. Yeah, I don't think that we could quite get a reunion until Jake uh, actually pins, defeats Kento. That's a great point. In a fair, that's in a a fair match. Mm-hmm. I think it could happen, but it has to happen as equals because like Alicia said, we can't just shove Jake back under uh, you, uh, Kento's shadow. Yeah, that's a great point. Our last question is just for some fun. Who do you think was best dressed at the Champion Carnival press conference? I already made my choice. I put it on Twitter. I think Shigehira Eri was just because he's bow tie. He's bow tie just... <laughs> His whole look was so adorable, but the bow tie just pushed it over the top for me. So I pick Eerie. I think it's obvious that it is not Yoshitatsu based on his outfits. (laughs) But he was the one that stood out. I will say this. He definitely stood out. I like T-Hawk, actually, another, uh, you know, strong hearts member. I thought he looked very handsome and just wore that that suit so well that I I have to give him the props of this one. But they all looked pretty fantastic, to be honest. Even Kento, I thought, looked pretty stylish in his, his suit. 
it's a really good color on Kento. I'm yeah, hot, yeah. Happy to see that. Alicia, what was your choice? Ryuki Honda. Alicia and I are same brain. I knew you picked Honda. <laughs> I was mind yeah. melded now. Yeah, we are we are mind melded. No, it's absolutely far it's and away. Like, oh God, it's so Honda. Like his that suit color on him was perfection. The sunglasses, super super excellent. I just thought he looked great. Yeah, he worked the smirk. It was yeah. <laughs> when you can very make aloof and like yeah. like he didn't care to be there, and that added to the whole like dapper look. It just was good. Yeah, the unbuttoned, like slightly popped collar. Like I said, when you can make your facial expression work with your ensemble, then you're wearing a great outfit and the outfit isn't wearing you, which is really important to me. So I'd say that. And then I would say Ashino because it's very reminiscent of his uh, ace gear um suit back in wrestle one really reminded me of that uh really really good promo from when he entered the match with Jiro Kurashio so took me back to that and uh I was very fond of it this is a well-dressed roster though like if we're to look at like some of the other major promotions in their press conferences there aside from Yoshitatsu there's like very there's like no one that's like not (laughs) well-dressed in those photos so props to all Japan and the champion carnival participants because everybody looked really good yeah, even like Jake is the closest you get to that uh, t-shirt and blazer look that's become really popular. And even then he's still wearing a collared button down. He's wearing that tight, well-fitted leather jacket and it's very trendy. It doesn't look like the typical, oh, I'm a little bit of a lazy heel sort of look. No, it's everybody really pulled it out. I think it really fits the whole like aesthetic of all Japan as a very like classy kind of classic special uh you know, very like well done company, you know, like not some cheesy you know, stuff going on there. They're more conservative, I guess you could say in a lot of ways. I think the style, stylistic choices here reflected that. So, yes. And I will say, too, I feel like I'm getting an education from you all right now about the style, the style and the fashion. I'm the, about the worst person ever to talk about fashion. Uh, so I, I hope hopefully I didn't ruin everything there more than I already have. Oh, I liked, I, we love all fashion discussion and all wrestling discussion and you've delivered on all fronts. I do want to say though, it's a bit sad not seeing Zeus there because Zeus always pulls it out and he always oh, is best dressed. He has like the best suits. As always, All Japan can be watched at ajpw.tv for 900 yen a month. If you're thinking about watching All Japan, this is definitely the month to do so. Thank you all for listening to Talking Triple Crown and thank you Dylan for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72. You can find me, Rachel, on Twitter at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y star. You can find me, Alicia, at Shiranui Kai with two eyes, And you can find both Rachel and I at Kickout 299. You can find me, Dylan, at Viva underscore zero, V-I-V-A underscore Z-E-R-O. Shout out to Ray, who I stole that from. In tribute to her, my favorite Joshi star of all time. Rest in peace. And follow my show that I also talk about Japanese wrestling of all Japan and all the other companies. Uh, you know, we've we've done everything. Noah, New Japan, DDT. If you like Japanese wrestling, I promise we've talked about it. Even some rather obscure promotions in the past as well. Uh, so hopefully everybody checks us out at Eastern Lariat on Twitter. And hopefully 
you have enjoyed my appearance on the show. Hopefully I brought something positive and thank you all again. I'm so truly honored to be on the show and that I was the one you thought of Jesse, especially, but all of you have done such great work and I'm so proud to be on here and uh, hopefully more people and, uh, you know, check out, kick out, check out TTC and hopefully we can do it all again someday. Cause I really, really had a lot of fun and enjoyed my time here. Sorry for ruining the show. If I did. No, you're coming back. You have no choice. You're coming back. <laughs> Jesse demands it. Jesse uh, gets what Jesse wants. Oh, okay. I, I will not. You put me in my place earlier, Rachel. And now, Jesse, you're doing it now. I'm getting it from all sides right now. I can't defend myself against you. But no, absolutely. I would be so happy, genuinely, to be back on. Thank you so much. We thank you once again. And we'll see you next month for our Bumper Champion Carnival episode.